Hi, everyone. This is Nicole Stone with uh, Nicole Stone Outdoors, and you are listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and we have a return guest with us today, and that is Nicole Stone from the DSG team and Nicole Stone Outdoors. She's going to be talking about this transitional period of late season ice fishing into open water fishing in the boat and how to make the most out of those last few ice trips, along with how to prepare for the open water season. Nicole, how's your ice season been going? It's been crazy. It's really, really been great. Um, I got to start the season off pretty early. So in November, I hit a lot of, you know, the popular bodies of water like red and like the woods that are really good early ice, especially red in that November and early December timeframe. And then like the woods, as we got into December, gotten some very quality fish up there. And then as the season has gone on, I've been doing a lot more pan fish and some travel did some jumbo perch fishing in South Dakota and then made the trek to Cascade, which was absolutely phenomenal, life-changing fishing. So if you guys haven't done that, highly recommend. Um, and now I'm just kind of transitioning to doing a lot of pan fish just locally up here in Northern Minnesota. Okay. Very cool. So you just said a lot of stuff that I'm very interested in. So I, I want to break it down right away. Red Lake, Man, Red Lake is so fun early. Like, you just get some seriously angry fish, and I'm really disappointed I wasn't able to make a trip to Red early ice this year. And Lake of the Woods. So I've heard a lot of people out there getting into, like, really good quantities of fish, but not necessarily so much quality. Um, what, what did you do different to get into, like, the quality fish? Are you doing different depths or something like that? Um, no, for Lake of the Woods, what we went early again, so in December, and I find that fishing just in general for walleye, you can turn over a little bit better quality fish up there. Um, and maybe some of it's like you're so limited to where you can go early on and the fish are still kind of packed oftentimes, not always, can be kind of packed in front of the river yet from the fall. So you've got just a bigger number of larger fish closer to the river where most people are and you're limited so you're not like running around the lake striking out on things because you have unlimited space so if the fish are there and you're you know either DIYing or with a resort you're kind of sitting on them and so I think that's what was going on a lot um this this December when I was up there now mind you we caught so many sauger like it was like a hundred fish days of sauger um but then we did get a few quality fish you know in that mid to low 20s and i think it's because some of those fish are still hanging there we did hear of some people catching some 30s um and i think that's just from that fall transition yet but one of the coolest things we experienced was while doing a midwest outdoors episode with greg jones he my friend megan was with and she pulled up a sturgeon and then back to back he pulled up a like it would have been mid 50s to maybe 60 inch sturgeon through the ice hole and that was probably better than any walleye we caught those couple times we made it out there oh that's wild like how long does it take to fight one of them fish um his took an hour and a half (laughs) that's just wild (laughs) yeah it was it was so wild and so stressful because like 
we're all sitting there 45 minutes in and we're like, we've just wasted the last 45 minutes if this fish breaks the line. Like, so you're just dying that it doesn't break it. But he, he played the drag really well and was able to get that fish out of the hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of the game. Like, you know, do you want to spend this amount of time for this fish? I mean, like he hooked almost a fish of a lifetime. So you pretty much have to, but it's like, geez, I just wasted almost two hours of like really good fishing time with that. You know, it, it brings me to yep. a time fishing with my family. Like we were up at Lake of the Woods and, and my dad hooked into what he thought was a snag, but then all of a sudden it started moving in different directions. And, you know, we fought, fought that fish for like 20, 30 minutes. And then, you know, finally got to the point where it's like, okay, we got to try and lift him at least a little bit off the bottom. And he ended up snapping the, snapping the line. But yeah, it's crazy when you hook into them things. It is. And like watching him get that giant was like, it's so much dead weight when they stop fighting. Like you nailed it. It's just dead weight. So then it's just trying to reel up and hold it up and just get it up. And it's, I mean, I'm not sure I could have done it like with enough arm strength, but those guys were strong enough where they could like take turns and one helped him get out of the hole. And then the other got, you know, Greg was just sitting there reeling and trying to hold it and reeling and trying to hold it for that same reason. Like it's dead weight. And that's the only way you can gain any ground. Like you're spending 30 minutes just doing that after fighting the fish. So that's crazy. Nuts. So one thing I'm wondering with that is like, did you have to drill more holes like mid fight or how do, how does that work? No, we didn't. We, I don't know how, they managed to make this work. So like there was the cameraman, Greg, me, Megan, and then one of the guides for Riverbend Resorts. And he came in and he was like literally orient when the fish got up towards the top of the bottom of the ice, he was like down there trying to orient that sturgeon so that they could pull it up. Um, I have a video out there. It's hard to explain. So I have a video out there on Facebook and I think Instagram too, that you can watch this go down. So like, it's the best it's the best way to to have somebody experience it because it's really confusing that this huge fish is coming up vertically out of this fish hole but like you, they get so tired you can orient them so that they're head first mm -hmm. yeah I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out and uh, and I'll link your your social stuff in the description of this podcast so like the listeners can find it pretty easy too awesome yeah it's wild wild <laughs> yeah. Another wild thing you talked about, Cascade, that is like definitely on my bucket list of fisheries. I mean, they've got some jumbo perch out there that like don't even look real. Yeah, it was insane. So like I've seen so many people go out there and do this amazing adventure. And then my best friend and one of my fishing companions, Anna on Ice, she actually moved to Boise uh, this like this last spring. And so we've had it on our list since then that we're going to do Cascade together. And so me, her, and our third friend, Aaron Howard, um, us three girls went out there and we rented a snowmobile and Anna had done a little homework and we set up on a spot she really liked and we just hammered them. Like we got numerous 15s. One was like, we called it 16, but on a bump board, it was maybe a hair shy. And then, you know, tons of 13s and 14s. It was just wild. Like when you're talking about perch and you're like, oh, I caught another 15 inch perch. It's just kind of mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mind blowing is definitely a good way to put it. And, uh, you know, we're uh, we're having a shield store out there in in Boise, Idaho. It's coming in 2024. So I think in, I'm going to have to make a trip out there, check out the new store and do some fishing out on Cascade. 
Oh, you will not regret it. And the views are just a huge bonus. Like it's gorgeous out there. Oh, I'm sure it's definitely a little different than, uh, than the whole North Dakota scenery. Yes. It's very different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, so you mentioned like your transition into, into a lot of panfish lately. So what sort of, uh, do you have any tips for the people on how to make the most out of this like late season ice fishing? Yeah. So what I like to do this time of year, as we go into late ice come, especially March and even early April, as many places will still have ice and pan fishing's open pretty much everywhere. Um, is go deep. And I think a lot of people think of late ice and they start thinking of like shallow water fishing and weed lines. And, but what I found, especially with crappie, bluegill a little less because they like to hang on to weed edges a little bit more, I found. But crappie will go deep and they will go deep, especially in the evenings, all the way through the end of ice out. And it's something where once you find the deep bowls, you can mark some zooplankton. It's almost a gimme. Like you can go out at five o'clock and go crush fish every day. It's just incredible. The days are long, the weather's warm, the fish are really predictable. And um, especially with crappie fishing, I find that deep water connection really being important as we go into the late part of the season. And the thing about that is with the plankton, so zooplankton are these like small little animal type. I mean, they're in the animal category, but they're just small little I don't know, plankton that uh, <laughs> feed on <laughs> phytoplankton. So they're small little animals that feed on essentially microscopic plant plankton and crappie love them. So they're like super crucial to the food web, but um, they're just a huge, they're just a, a popular food for these fish come late season, especially when it's tougher to find fit food for them or the minnow patterns are different. So like having that zooplankton down there, which looks like just a bunch of noise on your flasher. Most people think it's just a noise problem, Yeah. Um, but it's all plankton. They just feed on that. And they're all, they're almost always going to be there. That's the connection. Like it's easy fishing. Okay. Hopefully so, that all makes sense. That was a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it definitely does make sense, but I do have a question for you on that. So like when you see that zooplankton, it's generally, uh, you know, like towards the bottom and you know, crappies are usually like suspended and upward feeding fish. So, like, do, do they drop down and feed on that zooplankton, or, or what happens there? Yeah, both. So, I think they suspend right on top and, and maybe feed on other things feeding on the plankton. But a lot of times I find them right in the plankton. If you're using a traditional flasher, you almost can't tell that they're in there. That's, like, the problem. And so, most people will pack it up and be like, I'm out. But um, if you have especially like a lot like live imaging like live scope you can detect those fish in there and what you'll see is how many are actually in the plankton eating but if you had a traditional flasher you're just not going to be able to see it so like i mean i if they transition from the top in in and out to feed on and off very likely um a lot of them just come cruising through the plankton and sometimes i think they also feed on things that are feeding on the plankton so it's just kind of that food connection like the fish follow food so if you can Mm -hmm. find their food source they're going to be around yeah that makes a lot of sense and like traditional flasher when you're in that sort of situation i would i would assume that you know it's a good bet to just keep your lure right on the top of that of that plankton and there's going to be crappie roaming sooner or later absolutely and something that so like we were out last saturday and we just crushed them same thing we went to the deepest part of the lake marked a bunch of plankton and before you knew it, the crappie were in there. Um, And what we did 
was actually because we saw them in the plankton, we dropped our jigs down there. And even though we couldn't see ourselves a lot of the time, because they're in their feeding, if you do a slow and steady raise up, you can almost always pick them off. So like it's, it's even if you don't have a flasher that's working, well, you have it and it's just a bunch of noise and you're frustrated, just take a breath and put your jig down from the bottom and do a very slow and very consistent raise. And you'll be surprised if you're very patient, how many fish you will catch just by focusing on technique instead of getting really obsessed with the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That, that's actually one thing that I saw you talk about in a recent YouTube video was, was that. So how's, how's the whole YouTube thing going for you? I see you're putting out quite a bit of content lately. Yeah, thanks. Um, I do like YouTube. I mean, it's definitely not my biggest priority because um, I'm on so many other platforms and I do other, other things with my business and other parts of the fishing world. But I do enjoy putting content out there when I can, either to share an experience or to just share fishing tips. Like that's probably been the most rewarding part of it is whether I, like I have a boating 101 video out there that's just blown up and people love it because it helps them. Or like a simple crappie tip video where people are like, hey, I just went out and tried that and I turned over a few more fish. I'm like, well, you mean that's what it's all about, right? Improving fishing for other people, improving the experience and growing the sport. Yep, exactly. And, you know, Shields has been kind of getting into the whole YouTube game a lot more, too. And it's just it's super rewarding to see people's comments like, hey, I tried this and, you know, it helped me. You know, like that's that's really what it's all about is like helping others and and showing your enthusiasm and, and getting them to enjoy it, too. Absolutely. It's great. And I think the more um, really the more value focused YouTube content out there the better because it's just going to grow the sport of fishing. And, and that I think helps everybody. Yep. A hundred percent. You know, so, so we talked about panfish and crappie for late season. Do you have any uh, late season walleye tips for people? <sighs> you know, not particularly just because I've spent most of my life fishing Minnesota and that shuts down here really soon. I know like you guys out in North Dakota, you're still good to go, but um, here you know, end of February, it's over. So then we obviously we just do panfish through the end of ice. And then what we can do on the border waters is still fish, I guess. Like, you know, essentially Lake of the Woods is still going to be open for walleye for quite some time. But what people start to focus on is uh, open water, the river fishing. And that comes up in March on a good year, maybe April on a tough year. And that gets everybody more excited, I think, than ice at that time. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. You know, you just been sitting on the ice for a long period of time and it's like, yeah, I'm ready to get the long rod out now. Oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, it's like I love ice fishing. I just love it, especially when the days are nice and you can sit out in the sun. But uh, after a long, hard winter, it's kind of like I can't wait to like move in two seconds to find fish instead of like pack all my gear, freeze my butt off move a little ways, repack out, you know, with a house and heater with the boat. It's like, just cruise around until you mark them and you're set. It's so easy. Yep. A hundred percent. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about too. So what sort of things, uh, do you do, or are you doing now to get yourself ready for the open water season? Um, for me, most of it is just making sure like all a lot of people will do this at their in their own garage and at their own place, but I'll take my boat to the dealer, make sure everything is, you know, kind of up to par, make sure any issues that I had in the fall are resolved. 
you know, check my electronics, check batteries. You know, it's nice when you can kind of bring it to a dealer and it's a one-stop shop for that stuff. Yeah. And then other than that, it's just rigging rods and getting ready. And I think one of the biggest things is like, as you guys know, it's going to be river fishing for most of us for a while. And it's just watching the weather and waiting because you don't need a lot of late in the year when the sun's strong, um, you don't need a lot of warm weather days to open up the river. So you can be literally river fishing, you know, the same day you're ice fishing. Cause it's just, that's that great. Like that's the joy of spring fishing. Yeah. That's a little bit crazy to think about, especially like if you're talking rainy river or something like that, Lake of the woods, you can go, you can go and fish on a boat and, you know, catch some potentially really, really big fish. And then you can, you know, go on over a little bit farther over and then you can hop onto the ice and you can go ice fishing the same day. Yeah, it's wild. Like, I think we'll have a pretty late ice season here, but it's not going to stop us from jumping on rainy the minute it opens up, which hopefully happens in March. So not far off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's no excuse for this, but I've never fished the rainy early and I've, I've always been really interested in it, but just never have yet. What's your sort of strategy when you go up there in that, in that early part of the open water season? Oof, it depends. Um, I've gotten like the fishing in general is easy, right? Just because the fish are starting to run the river because of pre-spawn. And so they're filtered in a small area. So it's supposed to be easy. But I, especially with the lower river levels the last couple of years, it's been different. Like normally I would look for inlets, you know, um, push up against the banks, but it didn't work out that well for me this go around. So what we did like this last spring. So what we ended up doing instead, which again, thank you, LiveScope, um, we went out to the deeps because we were kind of frustrated. What we were, you know, pitching shallow jigs was not working at all for us like we thought it would. And what we found with LiveScope is even though there was all this boat traffic right in front of wheelers, all these big marks were just hugging the bottom and they were like, Hugging the bottom, maybe because of the traffic, maybe because it was really, really cold or they're just feeding because like their mouths and bellies were just full of mud when we pulled them up. But finding them in 30 feet of water down there, just hugging the bottom was a game changer because what we would do is just lay our jigs in there and then we hooked into one nice one after another. And we would have never thought of doing that without live scope um, just because we went to thought they'd be that deep, but that's what they were doing. So like, I guess my advice is, if pitching shallow doesn't work or pitching into inlets doesn't work, don't be afraid to go deep. And if you have the technology for it, like, you know, listen to your electronics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting strategy. Just, you know, if things aren't working great, you know, think outside the box, try something new. Don't, uh, you know, don't just sit there and be complacent because that's kind of the worst thing you can do with fishing. So, you know, for the people that don't have live scope or forward imaging, can you do the same thing with like side scan out there? Yeah, I mean, I think down imaging, we detected, we saw some stuff. It's not quite to the level of live scope, of course. I think anyone with live scope would agree. It brings, it makes you that much more confident in your electronics. But um, in that case, I would have definitely saw that with down imaging um, too. You, you, and you could see it. Like you could see the sturgeon. You could you could see the, you know, kind of the thick marks right off bottom. So again, if you're really desperate and you see that, you might as well just try it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my, my thoughts, like for lures and stuff like that, we normally would pitch plastics, but, um, again, it wasn't working. And so we went deep and laid minnows on the bottom. So 
some of that's to, to know to do that isn't isn't electronics that's just hey plastics which have always worked aren't working let's just mix it up yeah that makes a lot of sense and you just what pound the bottom a little bit and then let her lay or what yeah that's exactly what we did and and i think it's because they're feeding a lot of stuff in the mud and then also that's something that not to like circle back to ice again but that's something we found on lake of the woods this december too and how we ended up picking up those sturgeon was we were catching most of our fish just laying the lure on the bottom in the mud and i think they're like eating blood worms or something i don't know but mm-hmm. um i think that same thing kind of happened in the spring where they're just picking stuff out of the mud there's a lot of traffic so they're staying deep and laying low and eating there and um it worked out yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense when you when you really think about it like you don't need to overcomplicate things if fish are hugging the bottom and are eating stuff off the bottom you probably want your presentation to be on the bottom exactly you nailed it okay very cool so what uh what can we expect from you going forward here um, well, just really going to take advantage of that late ice crappie bite I talked about. I love that time of year, long days, uh, warm weather, get a lot of content with that. It's going to feel good to be outside again instead of all this house sitting from uh, the cold weather this February and Definitely. January. And then, uh, yeah, I'll be on the river. I'll, I'll be on Rainy River the minute it opens up. So that's something I'm really looking forward to right now. And put out a bunch of content around it to maybe help and and inspire more people to go enjoy it. Perfect. Love that. So yeah. And like I said before, we'll, uh, we'll link your social and your YouTube in the description of this podcast. So everyone can, can follow along with your adventures and, you know, best of luck with, uh, with this upcoming season. Ah, thank you. I appreciate it. You just heard our segment with Nicole Stone on late season ice fishing strategy and how it transitions into open water fishing. Hopefully you guys can make it out there for some late ice action or in the boat action. And if you need anything, make sure to stop by your local Shields or Shields.com for all your fishing needs. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.